The Guardian. Welcome to Media Talk. I'm Stephen Brook. This week, it's a tale of two broadcasters. ITV prepares its pay TV strategy, while Sky looks to snap up more first-class American drama. But which would you pay to watch? Katie Price and Anton Deck, or Mad Men and Breaking Bad? Plus, first it was Peter Salmon, and now Five Live controller Adrian Van Cleveren is also not moving to Salford. And we analyse the silly season and ask... Why was Naomi Campbell leading the BBC News bulletins? Please repeat after me. I solemnly swear on the Bible. I solemnly swear on the Bible. That I will speak the truth. That I will speak the truth. The whole truth. The whole truth. And nothing but the truth. And nothing but the truth. Brace yourselves. This is Media Talk from The Guardian. And how nice of you to join us. Now, this week, Simon Heffer filed off a delightful thousand-word email to his Daily Telegraph colleagues, reprimanding them for their poor syntax, homophonic cock-ups, and frequent faux pas, such as referring to Sir David Attenborough as a naturist. Well, Heff, we know you're listening. You'll be pleased to know the grammar police are at the door and ready to pounce on our panel's inaccuracies. First up, Steve Busfield is the head of media and technology at The Guardian and definitely not one to knowingly dangle participles, at least not in public. Hello, Steve. How are you? Very well, thank you. Good. Also, here is Maggie Brown, a Media Guardian columnist who would never dream of misusing less and fewer. And I should know I've subbed enough of her copy, Maggie. Oh, well, that's, that's an accolade. I, I've, I've, I went to one of those schools where they didn't teach you grammar, so I've obviously been a, a, well, a slow learner, but I've got there in the end. It's been a while, hasn't it, Maggie? It's been a while. In fact, I last saw you when you took me to Dulwich Pizza Express. You're a lucky man. We made quite We're a couple, livers. didn't we? We made quite a couple. Yes. Although I think they thought you might have been a cougar. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, gang, well, why don't, so why don't we start? In the words of Charles Dickens, with a tale of two broadcasters. Media talk from guardian.co.uk. It could prove a momentous week for ITV. The broadcaster's new chief executive, Adam Crozier, has put online sales and pay TV at the heart of a new make-or-break strategy that will overhaul the company's business model. Crozier outlined a deal with B-Sky B to put high-definition versions of ITV 2, 3 and 4 behind Sky's subscription wall, and he said he wants half of ITV's income to come from sources other than advertising. Meanwhile, Sky plans to build on its exclusive deal with HBO by locking up content from AMC and Showtime, who make the critically adored shows Mad Men and Breaking Bad. Steve and Maggie, let's start with ITV. What do we make of this pay TV strategy? Because we have actually been here before, haven't we, ITV and pay? Well, not for some years. I mean, they, they've run scared of, of pay uh, since they really had their, their, their fingers badly burnt, or everything burnt by their billion-pound loss on, uh, on digital uh, 10 years ago. Uh, I think this is a clearly sensible way to go, but goodness me, they have such a way to go before they get to their project, projected target of only uh, getting half of their revenue from advertising and the other 50%, the other half from something else. At the moment, it's about 74%. So the idea that you can very late in the day conjure up a really lucrative pay strategy, um, well, they're going to need an awfully lot of uh, good luck and and a very good wind behind them. For example, uh, if you actually look at at how much you're going to get paid for putting your channels on uh, a high-definition satellite. First of all, you have to pay extra to go on those uh, transponders, and then you have to wangle some payment back from uh, 
be Sky B in the dominant position. Well, this is it, isn't it, Steve? It's a few millions. They cannot do this without Sky. Yeah, I mean, you know, Sky, the, Sky, the gatekeeper. I mean, I don't, I don't quite, I've, I don't quite understand the the whole the treating the ITV one, two, three, four uh, channels in, in the way that they have done. I mean, you know, you have that strange thing where you have ITV two, three, and four all have a plus one service, but I don't think there's an ITV one plus one. Yeah, I think and, that's you know, right too. And, and and quite what the driver is for people who you know who watch Rosemary and Time and on ITV three to think I must be watching this in high definition. High definition is one. Those strange things, which which is becoming clearly important for for some of the broadcasters, because you know, cause, and and for the electronics companies trying to sell fancier televisions, trying to get people to upgrade their equipment. But are the but, listeners but, really that into it? Yeah, and you know, and the content. I mean, you you can just you can see the point when they're talking about watch the World Cup in HD, for instance. But you know, but some of that content that's on the on the lesser ITV channels. You well, let's look at what's on. It's also to do with demographics, though. Let's look at the ITV I, channels tonight. What's on? Um, on you know the night that we're recording this. ITV Two, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and America's Got Talent. ITV Three, Memoirs of Sherlock Holmes, Law and Order UK and ITV4 Liverpool's game in the Europa League and that's going to be on live it's not bad it's not bad is it well first of all they have to make sure that they've got those for example Sherlock repeats uh, in HD because they were obviously shot in standard television those are repeats so that's a cost Um, what I was going to say is that what you have to remember about high definition is that it really plays to an ageing demographic. People like me, since I'm a cougar, uh, we like <laughs> HD because we, our eyesight is, is not as good as it used to be, not as sharp as it was. And so, uh, for example, if you're into test match cricket, then you do see the ball much more clearly than uh, if you haven't got HD. So but have these you watched that sometimes it seems the sound is down on those HD yes, channels? Yes, I agree. I think this is only a very small toe being dipped into yeah. the subscription yeah. market. This is what actually I think you have to remember. Rather in the way that B Sky B is always um, having something to talk about. So, for example, its results two weeks ago were all about 3D and yeah. promises of yeah. things to come and, and a video on Here's demand. A shiny anytime. New Here's thing. a shiny new thing. Yeah. They have to do this because they have really cocked up on not getting into the one growth sector um, or they've inherited a business that has shied away from this and it has shied away to be frank since the 80s when subscription television was being talked about and so this is one small step by a new administration who really are saying most of the things or repeating most of the strategies that the grade regime yes. uh, laid out well, how, the question is execution execution and how is key. wise is it of adam crozier to arrive and immediately set a target which basically is what Michael Gray did, Steve, when he arrived and, of course, was not able to meet those targets and used to get beaten over his head, you know, beaten over the head with a stick for failing to reach them for almost the remainder of his tenure there. Well, Crozier is a man who likes targets, though, isn't he? I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain he set quite a few when he, was, uh, when he was dealing with the post office. Yes, he did. He didn't manage to digitise them, though, did he? <laughs> no, absolutely not. I mean, I think I think Maggie's absolutely right when she sort of talks about this being, you know, the first small step. I mean, when um, when Mark Sweeney broke this story on the Meeting Guardian website uh, back end of last week, uh, we were being told that actually there were other services that uh, that ITV were thinking about putting. Uh, Onto onto subscription television, um, and that you know that one of the one of the services that they might launch would be uh, would be a sort of a men's channel of some description. I mean, you know, God, which they, they, they had they, back in the day with Men and Motors. I was about to say that which yeah. you could go all the way back to Men yeah. and Motors. I'm not. I mean, 
I'm just not sure about. I mean, you know, you, look, you ran through that schedule uh, schedule of content. How many people would actually pay for that stuff? That's the question. None of us have an answer to. Okay, look. Well, let's switch our attention to Sky. After the deal with HBO, which has been talked about previously, they're looking to tie up agreements with AMC and Showtime as well. Steve, I'm looking at you because you're our resident HBO-ophile. Yeah, I mean, well, the HBO deal is uh, is stunning. I mean, it's, it was one of those moments when you think Sky have done a really smart thing here. They've suddenly grabbed a whole load of quality content that is going to get the chattering classes happy, that is going to get people who have previously haven't thought, I must have Sky, to suddenly think, ooh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, The Wire, uh, you know, all of those fantastic shows that HBO produces, and Sky is going to have them. I mean, an interesting question is how Sky is going to use them. I mean, you know, because I was talking to... Stuart Murphy at the um, Sky One Autumn launch earlier this week and he was sort of saying, you know, well, we haven't yet decided. You sort of think, wouldn't the sensible plan to just be have, you know, turn one of those Sky Movies channels into a Sky HBO channel and, you know, and have the first runs of things on there and have the quality uh, quality reruns of Do you honestly in your heart of hearts think that that is a... Uh, and reason enough for people to buy uh, a Sky subscription if they don't have one already. In fact, I do remember a fraught atmosphere in the Gibson Busfield household once when someone switched from Sky to Virgin and it looked like your lost subscription was going to be in danger. It was, it was indeed because we, 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 we switched from satellite to, uh, to cable at the point when Sky were having a fight with Virgin and had taken Sky One off and, you know, and... Uh, there was only really one program that mattered in all of this, and that was Lost. And you know, and and it mattered a great I, deal. It mattered a great deal. Yeah, absolutely. But there are some programs that do matter a great deal, and I think HBO produced Makes more them. of those yeah. programs than almost anybody else. I mean, apart from the BBC. So I think it is the sort of thing that would suddenly make people who've been thinking we will happily get by on Freeview and we will watch you know some quality uh, stuff on you know on the on the channels that are available on Freeview maybe think actually do you know what maybe we should get sky maybe we, we should don't get sky know that movies. they are going to run them all of them on sky one i would suspect if you remember the pacific they ran that if i'm not i think i'm right on, yeah, on, they sky, ran movies. on sky movies yeah. and 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 what will happen here is as the rights fall in from the terrestrial channels they will probably put the repeats on sky one or they will share them out in a, in a very canny manner so that you have to subscribe to one of their or, or all of their three um, movie movie packages. That's what I would predict. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think there's an argument that they might put stuff. The they question might put actually, Kerb on I, Sky One, and they might put yeah. they might they might put some they might put in treatment on Sky Arts, where I think it ran the last time. Um, well, actually, mentioning Sky Arts, um, BBC News arts editor Will Gompertz has been on his blog. Uh, on this matter, he says Sky has successfully broken the resolve of the middle classes who hid the telltale dish behind the Argaflues and Wisteria and can now watch sport and The Simpsons to their heart's content while telling their neighbours about the joys of Sky Arts, of I which there are many. I thought that was such a pompous uh, piece of writing. <laughs> I, I read that and I was sort of spitting tacks. I mean, because? Because... Well, I mean, I don't know what class I, you would put me in, but I mean, I've never been ashamed of having uh, Sky or a satellite dish admittedly discreetly positioned at the back of my house. <laughs> and almost everybody I know um, is either going to be subscribing to, to Sky or to, to Virgin. Well, so, you live in Dulwich, Maggie, as we know. I live in Finsbury Park, and my landlord was telling me that he tried to get Sky, and there was some kind of zoning order that meant that the dishes couldn't be on the front of the terrace. Yeah, no, it's the same as ours, but then you just have to position them at the back if you live in a conservation 
you know, all these things are perfectly possible. I thought that was the most pompous piece of writing I've ever seen. <laughs> um, I, I, when you have 10 million, almost 10 million households subscribing, and the demographics are all uh, suggesting that people are quite broadly based, and above all, they're able to pay up to what is, you know, £510 a year now. That's mm. the average subscription per house. Whether you want to call it middle class, working class, upper class, I don't give a damn gompers, you know. It's just people who enjoy television. We haven't, we haven't touched on the AMC um, Showtime bit of, the, of, the, of this conversation where, where you started off either, where, I mean, I'm not sure that those, you know, if they did do those deals and there was no mention of them uh, earlier this week when there was the opportunity to, I'm not sure that if they did those, they would be quite of the same stature that the HBO one is. HBO has, you know, has carved out that niche for itself as the quality production. But there was a school of thought uh, that they had slipped a bit and they didn't have a new hit show that was as had the buzz that Mad Men had and they'd let Mad Men go, et cetera, et cetera, and they were relying a bit on their back catalogue. I don't know if we're getting too... Well, their back catalogue is fantastic for a start. Um, and you know, and Mad Men. Well, yes, it's talked about by you know by us lot. It's talked about people who work in the media, but it's not actually watched by that many people. Okay. Uh, I mean, a more you know a bigger hit for Showtime is you know is the Tudors. Now, would I pay extra money for the Tudors? I don't know. Um, well, it's I quite, quite like with the BBC, isn't it? But quite a lot of the uh, the HBO output is co-productions, and you know, and I'm not quite. You know, we haven't we yeah. haven't seen the small print that shows how those deals will be, you know, metered out sure and whether the BBC, whether will, the BBC will get, to show, some, get right. to show some of those, those yes, programs. So uh, Sex in the City Marathon, it's round your house, huh? <laughs> You're looking at me, but I'm sure, I'm sure that, that that must be directed at Maggie. No, I was directing at you. You live closer to me. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I don't watch Sex in the City. Let me ask Sally here. What we, know what the grime does, we, we can see the direction that Sky is moving in. And just one final question. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they can't get as much money now out of sport and Ofcom is now making noise about premium movies. Do they need another big sort of homegrown talent entertainment purchase such as Simon Cowell if he was offered some megabucks deal for Sky? What would be that? Well, well, I mean, they've, they've got their two new talent shows for uh, for the autumn and they clearly haven't got Simon Cowell. In fact, in fact, Stuart Murphy spent quite a lot of time uh, regurgitating the same joke over and over again about how uh, how they have uh, they have judges who actually can sing and dance on their show. So they've got Dizzy Rascal and Charlene Spiteri and... Jamie Cullum doing the music one, and you know, and they are clearly thinking. I mean, they clearly cost an awful lot less than Simon Cowell. Yeah, they haven't. He's making a virtue out of a necessity there, though, isn't he? He is making a virtue out of a necessity, but, but I'm not. I'm not much sure. Younger. His show is much younger than the Simon Cowell demographic, which is a much broader-based family show. Can I just say one thing? If you if you read the uh, B Sky B Ofcom uh, uh, report yesterday, Maggie, I thought I to, thought you'd read it, so we didn't have to. Well, I have read it. Yes, thank you. Okay, <laughs> but but it says that uh, according to Ofcom, anyway, and you can see this truth that uh, there are three things. Things that people really value in television by order of ranking and sport is at the top followed by soap operas followed by movies so you have to bear that in mind um sky is pretty much doesn't exactly have the soaps no. which the which the terrestrials uh, do and movies uh and 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 obviously drama come drama is, is treated as a separate category but you have to remember that sky does have a preeminent position in sport even if it's forced to retail it and i predicted here in the podcast when i was here last month that they were going to have to broaden out and and try to grab everybody else who isn't just a sports nut in order to push beyond the 10 million and that's exactly what they're delivering here 
I'm Stephen Brooks sitting in for Matt Wells, and what an honour it is. And whilst I'm here, a big shout-out to Ollie and Helen from the Art to Me This podcast. We know you're listening, guys. Time to move on to our news and brief section, and Maggie, will start with part two of your BBC Executive's non-relocation scoop. This time it's five live controller Adrian Van Cleveren, who is not moving to Salford, thus joining Peter Salmon, who's the director of BBC North. Now, don't say we didn't warn you. Here's AVK speaking to Matt Wells at a Radio Academy event earlier in the year. So, I mean, each presenter's got to work out what works for them. From my point of view, the key thing is for the presenter to be there, to be able to present the programme in the way that Five Live needs it. That's the way it works at the moment. That's the way it will work in the future. Each presenter will work out their own solution to how they do that. What we've been very clear about is the station is moving to Salford. The programmes need to be presented from Salford and that they have to commit to being able to do that. Will you pay their train fares up on their hotel bills when they're there? No, we will not. Okay. Are you going, by the way? Yes, I'm going, Uh, yes. You're not retaining a... House or base in London? Well, retaining a house is a different thing from whether somebody is going, but I am oh. going. Well, he, he's not really, is he, Maggie? This is your story. Uh, you know, people are going to be very cross about this, both within the BBC and without, aren't they? I think it's incredible. I think it's a complete lack of leadership. I, this is one of those stories that actually made me feel like disgusted of Tunbridge Wells. Now, you might say I venture into that territory a bit too often these days, but I don't normally. I, I just thought this was so hypocritical. It it was, in fact, one of those moments when I thought, well, if I was working for the BBC, I would just be furious and with good cause, because you expect the people at the top to really set an example. Peter Salmon's position now is really, um, I think, I would almost say untenable. I say this because he took the job almost 18 months ago, two years ago. At that stage, he knew exactly where his children were in school. He knew I hope, exactly, or at least he's discussed it with his wife, Sarah Lancashire. He must have known, he's had as long as anyone to know what the timetable is. And he is absolutely the creative leader, or so we were told, and the cheerleader. Uh, We then have heard this extract, too, from the controller of Radio 5 Live. I mean, these are weasel words. Oh, yes, I'm going. Oh, no, I'm not. I will rent a place, but my family, because of my children's education, the great cop-out, uh, have to stay, um, you know, ensconced in, in the southeast. Uh, I, I think that um, I hope, I really hope, the trustees of the BBC are looking at this very coldly indeed. Because how can a policy like this work if the people who are the masterminds uh, are, are, are being so uh, two-faced about it? And Steve, this is a case of the their bosses have just allowed them not to go. I'm entirely with Maggie on this one. I think I think the the point was, you know, that we're supposed to create a BBC that better reflects Britain, and you know, and how can you possibly better reflect uh, the nation if actually what you've got is people commuting up there and back? And, you know, that answer that you. Uh, re- played from Adrian Van Claveren uh, saying, you know, well, yes, I will be moving, but no, I won't be relocating. You know, we should have seen it coming a long way away and we should have said that's absolutely, it isn't good enough. There are plenty of people who would like to work for the BBC who live in the north. Um, I mean, it is clearly difficult moving. There are, I know quite a lot of people who are sort of, having trouble trying to work out how they're going to balance their lives and their children and and uh, and where they are based and where their partners are based and, and how you juggle all of that. But the fact is that, you know, Peter Salmon is the head of BBC North. He should be up there. At um, the moment, I mean, I, I, I just can't see how his position is tenable, to be absolutely honest with you. Uh, OK, but what happens? Does uh, Mark Thompson step in? Does the Trust step in and say, really, we need a BBC North director who... Lives up there. Well, we have to remember that the Trust has said that there'll be a 24% reduction 
reduction in top managers at the BBC. So there's plenty of scope for a rearrangement, isn't there? <laughs> if any of if any of the people who worked for him were going up there, I mean. Uh, <laughs> well, we've also been told the head of sport is, is is likely to be renting rather than actually relocating. Uh, Pete, Richard Deverell, who's actually the chief operating officer and the brains behind this, who could step up and and actually lead the move. He's not decided yet. He's still living at the moment in Guildford with his 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 three children. And what we face having is a set of managers who literally are working four-day weeks, which is not the right thing at all. And if the BBC tolerates it, then I think licence fee payers have a right to say, well, we are not tolerating this from you. OK. Uh, a couple of good radio stories around. It's Ray Jar's week after all. Chris Evans, the ginger one, has lost a million listeners, but uh, his figures were still the second highest set of numbers in Ray Jar history the top set of all time were those from the previous quarter's figures. So he's continuing to do extremely well, defying all predictions. Well, there was, I mean, there was an enormous amount of marketing when he first took on that job. And then there was a, there was a huge amount of, well, what will it be like? And, you know, and I mean, it'd be, it'd yeah. be, it'd be, it would be quite interesting to know who those million are that have gone away, whether they were just people who were sampling it or whether some of them are are Wogan fans who sort of thought, well, you know, well, we'll keep going with this for a while and then decided actually, you know, maybe well, they were, were going to go and, some, go and listen to somebody else. Not that uh, you, I'm not saying we were <coughs> Wogan fan. I'm saying did you did sample I listen, it did I, did I, did I say, in I, your I've, professional I've heard, duty? I've heard, I've heard enough Chris Evans in my time to know that, you know... That you I, were there I, the first I, time I, around, I, weren't I you? I don't really want to listen to him in the mornings. OK. Overall, these radar figures, though, are good for commercial radio. They're amazing. They're because fantastic. Because they show that they're able to put on share. Yes. The BBC won't be upset, actually, that it's that it shares gone down a bit because it was getting embarrassing this, yeah. this, this chasm between the two you also have to remember that um, we're talking here about a quarter where certain things have happened you know the, there's been a general election there's been this incredible period of political change that we're seeing in our almost our arrangements, our constitutional arrangements and there's been uh, amazing football and sport. So, But we were told specifically with the election that this was going to be a mum's net election and it was all about new media, social media the blogs in fact, here's another piece of evidence to show no, actually it was about the TV debates and it was about radio news. Well, it's about also people, remember some of these programmes, uh, Five Live, all of those, uh, and, and TalkSport, where they actually do have debates and where people ring in and they're discussing things. So it's an interactive uh, medium and people can actually uh, put their opinions forward. And there's been very vigorous debate on a number of these uh, channels. What we, d- and we d- what we don't know is whether commercial radio at the moment is going through a huge uh, change. There's, there's a number of quite swinging redundancies and cutbacks going on in, in, in the new uh, conglomerates as they kind of shift from being more uh, almost international brands. And one just doesn't know quite where the direction is going to take them. So at the moment, it looks, it just looks as if commercial radio might have turned a corner, but one just can't be certain. Well, there was very good news. Uh, even TV is in love with commercial radio. This week, Sky announced, it. I think it's the biggest sponsorship deal in history of commercial radio to sponsor the football on Absolute and TalkSport. Old media strikes back, Steve. Radio, who would have thought it? I was quite surprised that there was, there was a moment when I was thinking, would people have been watching the World Cup and you know on the television because there was wall to wall coverage of it and how many and how many people would actually listen to it? But you know, but the, but they they have to, you know the the radio figures show that they did uh, incredibly well during uh, during that period. That you know that could be about the car, couldn't it? Because really, if you are a World Cup fanatic and you're in a car, you can't. And some of the matches yeah. are in the afternoons. People also, alas, have to earn a living. So it's a more surreptitious or personal 
uh, way of keeping up if you're not necessarily sitting in front of a computer and you can have it on in the corner. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not surprised. I'm interested to see that uh, Radio 3 is, is down, but then I would suspect that with the stonking proms yeah. season going on at the moment, a wonderful, wonderful, uh, uh, some wonderful music that presumably it will it will come climbing back in the in in the in the quarter we're in now. There are a lot of seasonal factors uh, affecting radio, just as they affect television viewing. Remember. Okay, let's look to uh, TV. All creatures great and small is coming back to ITV. Well, at least a prequel of it is, but. Uh, Blake 7 is not going to be remade by Sky. That was news of a part of Sky's big programming announcement. And, you know, I can remember this being on the front page of Broadcast, Steve, uh, when I worked for you. It was a bit of a slightly tenuous story because they hadn't commissioned it fully, had they? They'd said they wanted a few scripts and were going to explore it because they wanted their own edgy Battlestar Galactica type remake, but it's been struck from the commissioning books. Yeah, well, I mean, I think Blake Seven is one of those, you know, one of those talked about by a little cult group on the internet type programs, and it's also got the nostalgia thing going back to the sort of 1970s and 80s, but actually, it was a load of old tosh <laughs> when it was originally around. Uh, and, you know, and the chance, I mean, you know, clearly everybody's been looking around since Doctor Who was completely reinvented yeah. and, you know, became such a success. Everybody's been looking back and seeing, well, what else could we recreate? And Actually, Blake Seven was, you know, was quite a limited show. They, you know, they were just a bunch of people in a room that pretended to be a spaceship, and you know, and frankly, looked less like a spaceship than this studio that we're currently in. It um, wasn't a spaceship; it was called the Liberator, Steve. Well, but it was a. It really, but that I mean, was all about the budget, wasn't it? You know, and now TV have mega budgets, and the problem with the show being as cheap as chips and made by the BBC in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, could presumably have the whole new lease of life. But, but you Sky have to got... remember, a lot of these revivals haven't worked. I mean, they're not sci-fi, but think of The Prisoner, which we rather grisly remake, which we saw on ITV earlier this year, that was just uh, just, just sank without trace. It's a sort of kind of co-production with America that just didn't work. And we've seen Mind... With AMC, I do yes, believe. With AMC. Yeah. It was a terrible uh, production, and I love The Prisoner. The worry I've got with all of this is that because Sky have done their HBO deal, going back to our previous uh, item, that they may feel they can actually play a bit fast and loose now with drama series they might have made but no longer need to make, if you see what I mean. I know they're recommissioning and extending Strike Back and other, other dramas, but there is just that niggle at the back of my mind. Oh, well, that lets us off the hook. OK, very quickly, Sherlock, part three, is on on Sunday. Maggie, yes, no, maybe, and why? Well, I thought the first one was great. The second one, I just thought, had overtones of Jonathan Creek, the, the Chinese tongs. I don't know if you watched it. I thought <laughs> I it was really it. bad right. and very disappointing. And they started and, at and number three. Well, I haven't seen it yet. So I'm, I'm, yes, I'm but so... will you watch it? Uh, when I watch number three, Sunday night, uh, I'll, I'll certainly <laughs> Sky Plus it. Right. But I'm, I'm, Sky Plus is as good as a watch, was a maybe, isn't it? wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that I, was a maybe. I was Thank extremely you, disappointed with the second okay. episode. Uh, Steve, yes, I will be watching it. I thought, the, I mean, I thought the first one was brilliant, and the second one not quite so brilliant. And I think the Jonathan Creek comment is is very good. But I think you know, I think Martin Freeman has been fantastic in it, and I think. It was originally planned to be a six, six yes. one hours, and they turned it into three hour and a half. And I think that does give you 
more chance to have depth of story and depth of yeah. character. Yeah. Uh, although, you know, a slightly And they've attracted a lot of, of interest from abroad as well. I mean, money's come in from abroad as well, so they've been able to ramp up the whole thing. It's and the it classic, is beautifully everyone, you know, the world wants to see a show set in London. But everybody knows the name Sherlock, yeah. don't yeah. they? So then yeah. the question is what the treatment is. But I, I, I'm, well, I I'm disappointed. It could be that Stephen Moffat, Wonder Man though he is, may have just actually uh, overstretched himself. Well, I missed the first one, loved the second one, and I'm out on the town this Sunday, but I definitely will attempt to catch it. Finally this week, we've had such a positive response to our news tombola a fortnight ago that producer Ben's rejigged the format and even got us a new sound effect. Maggie and Steve, are you ready to play... Stephen's Silly Season? Good. Well, let's begin. Now, question one is sound-based. Uh, listen up. Fingers on buzzers. I've got a buzzer. Welcome to Eliminate. Here's how the show works. There's four sexy girls and one hunky guy on a day-long date in soggy Kenya. Now, what he has to do is cut the girls down till he ends up with the one he fancies the most. It's simple. So, between you... Can you name three stories that have appeared about Kerry Katona this week? Three Kerry Katona stories this week. She's still in love with her ex-husband. Yeah, uh, yep. Ex-husband and Westlife star Brian McFadden. Correct. Uh, she's being replaced as the face of Iceland by somebody else from Warrington. Who looks exactly Who like looks, her. Yes, <laughs> Samantha Wallace. Who looks quite like her. Uh, a third Kerry Katona story this week. I think I might be struggling. I think I might have done my two. Maggie? I've, I've not been reading the tabloids, I'm afraid. Only okay. the Liverpool Daily Post and The Guardian. So. That's tabloid enough for us, isn't it? Oh, no, sorry. That's no, they the have echo. a whole Welsh section, <laughs> yeah. yes. Right. Well, actually, uh, uh, Kerry's apparently got a crush on Steve Jones, who is Welsh. So I'm surprised oh, he didn't Steve make Jones. the Daily Post. Um, and also, second husband Mark has pawned her £10,000 engagement ring to buy a second-hand car. Oh, Okay, question two, and you may not confer, panel. Is this story true or false? A fishmonger has told how he nearly died after he slipped into a tank of eels and one shot straight up his backside. True or false? True. <laughs> I'll go for false. Uh, true, it was in the sun this week, and here Michael Burke picks up the rest of the story. Horrifiedly, Chang had been sitting on the edge of the tank at his warehouse in Jiangsu in southern China where the eels were waiting to be cooked. But the 43-year-old slipped off his perch into the giant tank filled with hundreds of the writhing creatures. Several shot up my trouser leg, and then, to my horror, I felt one go up my bottom, said Chang, who was so embarrassed he carried on working. Concerned colleagues dialed emergency services when Chang eventually collapsed in agony, and astonished medics carried out a five-hour operation to remove the eel in question, which was as wide as two fingers and as long as a man's arm. Oh, dear me. Why do these things only ever happen in August? Well, I think uh, certainly they keep us reading our newspapers, don't we? Good old I sun. I think they happen the rest of the year round. It's just that, you know... They get crowded the, out. Yeah, OK. There's not the space. You've got, you know, you've got the space for one funny story and, you know... Well, question three is a quickie. Which boy band appears on the cover of the most recent Attitude magazine? Is it McFly, JLS or Cliff Richard and the Shadows? <laughs> <laughs> JLS? No. Oh, it's McFly then. Yes, I, I can't, we can't pretend it's good, Richard. Well done. And finally, from inside the Guardian, how was the incident regarding the alleged theft of a six pound forty lamb korma from a staff fridge resolved? 
with a live blog? Did the PCC launch an investigation? Or were two global emails to all Guardian employees explain that it had all been a mistake? You have to read the internal emails to know the answer to that one, I'm afraid, Matt. It turned out that the person who it was intended for had actually picked it up. Yes, very good. Well, that's sorted. (laughs) More seriously, before we go, what about these stories? Naomi Campbell leading the BBC News on Thursday all morning, or Lily Allen being on the front page of The Sun for being pregnant. The thing with the city season is there's not much news about. The newspapers reduce their pagination, but they still cost the same. Well, I I watched the uh, BBC News, and actually what happened was that they, they went back to to Sierra Leone and they were at, they were interviewing people who'd had their limbs cut off in the terrible uh, invasion and bloody strife that had taken place. So I didn't actually mind that this was uh, an introduction to Naomi Campbell uh, getting blood diamonds. I thought it was a perfectly reasonable story. I mean, they are stuck, can't they? Because there is this ongoing terrible crisis in Pakistan and we've got uh, President Zazari coming over here rather tactlessly in order to introduce his son as the next leader. So it is a difficult choice, but I didn't actually feel that that said a great deal about we're here in the silly season, we've got nothing to write about. And as for tabloids, well, they always seem to run, you know, kind of quite junky stories when it suits them on the front page. Yeah, and it might have been, it might have been leading the BBC News, but it was pretty wall-to-wall on Sky News and, and, uh, and BBC News. And, you know, and as Maggie says, they're with an awful lot less, you know, insight into, into the background to it. Well, I thought she looked fabulous. But, but I was really amused to hear on the one o'clock news that she said, I don't normally have these little boxes of dirty stones. I, they're, they're normally all bright, bright and sparkly. And she didn't actually seem to know what she'd been given. Mm, well, that was her. That's what Naomi says. But then we don't think supermodels are necessarily super bright. Well, that's the end of the show, thank goodness. But before you both disappear on holiday, Maggie and Steve, uh, tell us what you've learnt this week. Maggie Brown. Yeah, well... I've, as you know, I always read all these terrible documents from Ofcom and, and in their review or their, their recommendation that competition commissions should be called in to look at Sky Movies, uh, they had this wonderful research about how much the average price of going to the movies was last oh, yes. year. Yeah. And I thought for a Londoner, it sounded cheap, 544 what? £5.44. Not anywhere in around Leicester Square. Exactly. At the average cost of a DVD sounds a bit more of a film, uh, £8.62. And the rental of a, of a, of a film, uh, £3.10 on average. That was uh, 2000, all 2009 prices. And I, I thought, well, gosh, I think we probably live in the wrong part of the world, actually. Yeah, indeed. Steve Busfield, what have you learnt this week? Well, actually, returning to our Manchester theme, yeah, I yeah. learned that Basil Brush isn't <laughs> moving to Manchester. Really? That, you know, that, that children's BBC is moving to Manchester, but Basil Brush isn't. Uh, but that, this is because uh, Basil is, uh, is owned by an independent who work out of Maidstone, and he's staying in Maidstone, I think. Right. Well, that's, that's regional, isn't it? It's, if, if not the north, it's exactly. still regional. OK, thank you, Maggie Brown and Steve Busfield. You'll find links to most of what we've discussed at guardian.co.uk slash mediatalk. Our producer's Ben Green. I'm Stephen Brook. Thanks for listening. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.